Good morning. My name is Bill, and I'm going to be reading uh, one of our scriptures for this morning. So if you'll just go ahead and pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for this morning and this opportunity to hear your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be in our hearing of your words this morning. Uh, May your spirit be moving through this place as we hear your words. Amen. Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. May God's word shape and form us. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Awesome. So, my junior high crush. You guys have all had little crushes, right? In junior high, growing up in high school and junior high. Well, uh, I really, really, really liked this individual, this gal in my in my classes. And uh, um, but whenever I was face to face with her, I couldn't speak right. I couldn't speak straight. I was nervous. My heart palpitated, and everything just messed up, didn't come out straight. Um, but when I was alone, I obsessed about her. I was in- infatuated. And one day, I got this idea in my head that I would get some flowers and deliver it on her front porch, right? And, uh, and you're thinking, oh, this is him declaring his love and his commitment and his loyalty to this person, but I didn't even write a card. I was gonna make it anonymous, right? So that's how chicken I was. And so I went to her house, rode my bike, had went to QOC or something, bought some flowers, and uh, went to her house and dropped it off on her porch. But it took me a while to actually commit to setting the flowers down. So I would go put it on the porch, run away, come back, no, 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 go. Just hoping that they didn't have cameras or, you know, like, but uh, I finally left it. Uh, it took about a couple of hours to finally decide to commit to leaving the flowers there on the porch. And I rode away. I rode away. And um, couldn't sleep that whole night. I was like, boom, 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 boom. What am I doing? Stupid, stupid. You know, Chris Farley routine. Um, and um, the next day at school, um, went through classes and she was... She was there, and I was sweating bullets. I was nervous. What's she gonna say? Did she know? Did she get him? How did she respond? 
He's trying to read her face. Like, is she smiling? Is she happy? Is she just like, blah? And uh, finally, uh, she actually comes to me and says, did you leave those flowers? And uh, 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 like caught red-handed. Uh, 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 uh. And I said, no. <laughs> the reason why I tell that story is I want to ask the question. I want us to think about how far will you go when you think you're in love? How far have you gone in the past when you've been in love? Or you've been infatuated? Or you've been obsessed? Or you've had a passion for someone or something? Um, and, you know, sometimes that's puppy love or that's like junior high uh, love, but I went a long way, right, to express myself to someone. Even though I was kind of anonymous, I was kind of chicken, I went a long way to express myself. But the question, the deeper question I want us to ask is this, how far will you go to be with Jesus? How far will you go to be with Jesus? And will you allow yourself, your heart, your soul, to be moved by the gospel? To be moved. Right? It's easy when we are young to be silly. It's easy when we're young to do stupid things. It's easier when we're young to be vulnerable and to put ourselves out there. Right? Um, but now, maybe it's cynicism, maybe it's suffering, maybe it's pain in our life, maybe we've become a little bit porcupine-ish with our hearts, right? protecting ourselves. Um, it's harder to really say, as adults, I'm really into that, or I need that person, or I believe in that, or I hope in this with all my heart. Right? If this doesn't happen, I'll be so depressed and so much despair. Will you allow yourself to be moved by the gospel? Will you jump into life and adventure that Jesus Christ has for you? Are you with me, church? Amen. Amen. Um, and I was reflecting on, on this, like how far would people go uh, to show love, to express love? And my mind immediately went to my, my parents. My parents were immigrant parents. They immigrated. My dad is just now uh, looking to be naturalized, but they've been here for 42, 43 years in the States. And uh, he's just now getting naturalized. But the things that he went through, that my parents went through, in order to give us a good life right, in the United States, in order that we could get an education in the US, right, in order. They, they came, they didn't speak the language so well. Uh, they weren't perhaps seen, um, respected as much as they were respected among their peers or among other Koreans. Uh, things were confusing, customs were different, the way you raise your children were different. And we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so there was a lot of difficulty. Um, but I just remember the sacrifices that my parents made over and over again so that we could just have things, right? I knew that there were times we couldn't pay the bills. And I remember uh, one of my birthdays, I really, all my friends had the Atari, you know, the joystick, the Atari. Uh, you play Pitfall and Donkey Kong. And I really wanted one. 
And I could just see uh, like the pain in my father's eyes, like, oh, maybe we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And, and the day on my birthday, him coming back with just a, an Atari box and the joy in his face, the actual, like I never felt bad that he gave me that Atari. I, I knew that um, he had just calculated everything and just wanted to give it to me. And so sacrifices. I remember my father uh, late at night in my bedroom, waking up uh, uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, waking up, and he'd be kneeling beside my bed, praying quietly, right, with his hand on me. And those kind of moments, you're like, oh, I'm loved, right? It's, you know you're loved when someone's loving you when you're not supposed to be paying attention, when you're asleep, right? When they're loving you, when they put that, like, here's a good movie, like, put, put the blanket over your child or over your wife or your spouse while they're sleeping, but, like, maybe they're awake and they know, they'll know that you're, like, caring for them by putting that blanket on them. Like, people know that you love them um, when you love them when, you're, when they're not looking. And uh, when I, the most vulnerable times for me are when I do remember and think about uh, being a second generation Korean American, growing up uh, in a, an immigrant household, but going to school and kind of um, those two worlds coming together. And when I think about that, when I uh, imagine that, it's a vulnerable place, right? Because for many of us, those types of experiences from our past or just family life are things that we tuck away inside. Maybe you show the closest people to you, like, this is, this is what I feel like, right, on a daily basis. These are the things that I hide about my identity, or these are the things that are painful for me about growing up or my past, or these are the things that I'm very proud of, but maybe not everyone would understand why I'm proud about that. Or these are, this is the inheritance that I've gained from my parents of my faith, how I express my faith in Jesus Christ in a, a very cultured and cultured way that's distinct, um, but not everyone would understand that, right? I know that, you know, if I were to go at 4 a.m. out, uh, I, could, I could find Korean, old Korean grandmothers or grandfathers or men and women praying every day at 5 a.m. at an early morning prayer service. I know that. And for a lot of people who walked into that situation with people wailing and crying and like, Abuji, Abuji, Chuya, Chuya, right? It'd be like, that is weird. That's, that's a foreign expression. But I would walk into that situation and be like, yeah, I get it, right? That's a part of my experience. I understand it. And that's something that I hold in me. How far would you go to believe again? How far would you go to dream again? How far would you go to love again? To let those pieces inside you out again and to let people really know you, to really touch you, to hope again, right? Uh, one of the greatest movies ever is Shawshank Redemption. What do they say? Hope is a dangerous thing. Red says that. Hope is a dangerous thing. Why? Because you hope, when you hope, you let your heart out there. And if the, if things don't pan out, you're vulnerable to really getting crushed, right? So we, we are very careful in the ways that we hope and put ourselves out there because life is hard. 
you know? Crap happens. And when that happens, you know, sometimes our hearts get stomped. Um, I'm going to move on from that. The reality of death. Jesus was dead when we come to our, our passage here in Matthew. And by all accounts, the Jesus run was over. Right? Maybe for some it was a fad. Maybe for some it was just, you know, momentum, just energy. Um, and for the casual observer, the story had abruptly ended. Right? And part of what the, uh, Matthew does in his gospel, what he does so well, through the Passion, if you got a chance uh, during Good Friday or this week in Holy Week, uh, to read some of the Passion stories, some of the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, or Luke or Dunn. But Matthew uh, dis- depicts the reality of Jesus' death so vividly. Right? We see his suffering, right? the details of his torture, how he was mistreated, how he was whipped, how he suffered and finally died. And it was clear he was dead, dead, dead. All of Jesus died. Not just his body, not just his soul. He died. And Jesus, and that's one of the part of what we believe as Christians, is that Jesus enters fully. He entered fully into the reality of death and then emerges from it. Fully into the reality of death and then emerges from it. And that's where the power is. That's where the miracle is. That's where the amazing is. And that's where uh, the understanding and the compassion of Jesus comes from. That Jesus has gone all the way, all the way to where any of us could ever go, to the deepest depths, to death itself. And none of us can say, we have control over life and death. None of us can say, I can die and come back to life. None of us can say that. And it's but Jesus went into that place and came out. Amen? You can't have Easter without Good Friday. Right? And you can't have the empty tomb without the cross. On the flip side of that, on the flip side... You can't have Good Friday without Easter. Um, oh, wait. On the flip side, Good Friday without Easter is hopelessness and despair. Right? If you don't have Easter, it's just dead. Right? It's hopeless. Right? I think that's where a lot of the disciples were. They had scattered. They were in hiding. They didn't know what to think. Like, Jesus, our friend, our rabbi, the one we've been rolling with for all these years, we've been so intimate with, is dead, right? And they're feeling the death. They're feeling the reality of that. They're feeling hopeless and in despair. Um, So Good Friday without Easter um, is hopelessness and despair. It's really important. Easter, the resurrection, uh, matters. It's, It's crucial. And the cross without the empty tomb is powerless as well. Right? A cross, if you don't have the empty tomb, it's just a cross. It's the, a Roman symbol of torture and punishment. So let's look at the passage. Verse 1. Uh, it says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, 
I'll stop right there. Um, every gospel mentions this detail that it was in the morning, at some point in the morning, um, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday because the Sabbath in the Jewish culture was the last day of the week. So the first day of the week was Sunday. And so every gospel uh, talks about the first day of the week. Also, if you look in John uh, and places in the gospel and also in Acts, you'll see that the people of God, the people of Christ, met on the first day of the week and heard teaching and broke bread together and sang hymns together. Um, And so just the one point that I wanted to make from that is, why do we meet on Sunday as the body of Christ? Because it's the first day of the week. It's the first day of the week, and it's when Christ was risen. So every Sunday when we gather together, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Every Sunday is Easter or Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Every Sunday we declare Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. And I stayed up late worrying about this sermon because, ah, oh, it's such an old story. I know I got it, got it, got it, got it. Pastor Dave, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Jesus is risen. He is risen from the dead. And now he's alive. And this is why we celebrate. Yes. But where's the oomph? Right? Where's the meaning and the passion behind that? Because it's more than just a pep rally. Right? I could sit here and be like, raw, raw, raw. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. So go. That's my sermon. So go and tell everybody that Jesus is alive. But it would be empty. It feels empty unless we, as individuals, have personally experienced Christ, right? Death and resurrection in our known lives. Unless we've entered the empty tomb and seen, right, the cloth without the body. The tomb is empty. And until we've seen Jesus Christ in the flesh again, right, and laid at his feet and grabbed his feet and worshipped him, Unless we've experienced our own deaths, the reality of death in our own hearts and lives, in our own testimonies, in our own stories, and in the people around us have experienced death and despair and yet have been lifted up from the ashes, have, been, have come up again because God breathed life into us, because God healed us, because God transformed us, because we prayed and God said, I hear you, I love you, you are my beloved. You cannot celebrate life and resurrection without having experienced death and despair and had the power of God and the Holy Spirit touch your life with true power and enliven you and animate you again and renew you. Amen? Otherwise, this is a pep rally. This is what we believe, people. This is what we believe. Mary and Mary. So it says that Mary... Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. All of the gospel accounts have some form of a group of women, right? Whether it's Mary and Mary or Mary and Mary and and somebody else or just a group of women. But we know that there was a group of women ever since Jesus in Galilee, right? From his hometown. Ever since he emerged from his hometown, there were a group of women who followed him. And it said they served him by providing him, whether it's homes, whether it's resources, and they were there at the death of Jesus when he died. 
weeping and mourning, right? Praying, looking to uh, serve, looking to touch. And here's Mary and Mary coming, and it says they came to look at the tomb. Why did they come? What was their motivation? A lot of times we assume that, oh, Mary and Mary went in totally oblivious. Like, they came in oblivious and like, oh, the tomb, Jesus wasn't there. But if you look at the previous chapter, even the Pharisees and even, um, even the Pharisees and even uh, Pilate knew that the Christians had, and Jesus had talked about in three days, I will rise again. And that was one of the concerns. Pi- the Pharisees came to Pilate and said, hey, Jesus talked about raising again, raising again in three days. So let's put some guards at the tomb, right? Because who knows? They're going to come in three days and steal his body and say, see, see, Jesus raised his body, was raised again. So they, they knew that. Everyone knew that. So we can assume that maybe Mary and Mary probably knew that and remembered what Jesus said about being raised from the dead in three days. So I'm thinking, why are, they go- why are they going? Perhaps they're going because there's not closure, right? There's still something compelling them, or they still have some hope in their heart, like, what's next? It can't be over. It can't be over. Something's next. Something's coming. Maybe Jesus will raise, be risen from the dead. Or maybe... Maybe they are thinking about re- resurrection. Maybe they just really loved Jesus. And they really wanted to keep being near him. They wanted to go to the tomb and see, just as we visit cemeteries and graves of our loved ones, they want to remember, they want to be around, they want to love. But we know that Mary and Mary... Uh, were devoted to Jesus. In chapters before this, they, were, they wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to hear him teach. They wanted to sit at his feet. Um, they wanted to be around him. They wanted. When was the last time you wanted something that your heart desired be with God, to be with Jesus. When was your first love? Uh, do you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? When you first, first fell in love with Jesus, right? Do you remember when the fire burned in your heart for Christ? Mary and Mary were wanting to mourn. Mary and Mary were wanting to be at the tomb. They were wanting more. They were wanting to touch Jesus again. They were wanting um, to express something. They had maybe residual hope and anticipation. And there there were guards at the tomb placed by Pilate um, there. Um, But the scripture says that there was a great earthquake. Remember last week we had earthquake, the word earthquake, when Jesus in the triumphal entry enters Jerusalem. The whole city shook like an earthquake. In the same way, there's an earthquake 
here at his resurrection. Um, there was also an earthquake when he breathed his final breath. Right? Jesus breathed his final breath. There's an earthquake. Temple veil was torn in half. But here there's an earthquake. I love that there's an earthquake. And it also says that there was an angel of the Lord who came down from heaven. And his face was like lightning. Lightning and earthquakes. Disasters. And these are all things that are way out of our control. Right? No matter how, it's the great equalizer. The, the, it levels the playing field for all people. Whether you're rich or you're poor, right? whether you live in the States or you live in Mexico or you live in Canada or wherever you live, if you live in the Middle East, it doesn't matter. An earthquake comes and your life can be turned upside down. Right? That's why we buy right, natural disaster insurance. Because of the great Seattle quake is going to come someday. And we want some amount of security. But ultimately we know that no matter how much control we think we have in our lives, we are not completely in control, right? Natural disaster can hit. Disease can hit. Lightning can strike. I think that's amazing. It, it demonstrates the power of God in the world and in our lives, right? That no matter what, God is in control. Right? God is powerful beyond all things. God can give and God can take away. And that's a power that's way bigger than us. And it's something that taps into our fear. The base, our, base, our base desire is maybe a desire for security. And one of our basest emotions is fear. Right? And this earthquake and this lightning uh, taps into that, that fear. And you see that the guards, in verse 4, the guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear. And again, the same words from Seismos, right? They shook with fear, earthquake. Right? But it's interesting that the guards shake with fear and they became like dead men. Like their fear caused them to be like they were dead. Caused them to be paralyzed. And we, we understand that, right? How fear can paralyze us. Right? When we're afraid, just like when the girl said, did you leave those flowers? Uh, right? Fear paralyzes us. And I think the point, a lot of times people say, you know, Christianity or faith, religion is kind of a crutch. Right? It's an avoidance of problems. It's avoidance of suffering and just kind of gives you this feel-good feeling so you can get through the day. We're all happy people, right? Uh, but I think actually following Jesus and faith is actually embracing more deeply the reality of life. Right? It's not not feeling fear. Right? It's we experience fear, but will we listen to the voice of God saying, do not be afraid, I go with you. And that, that's the word of the angels, of the angel to them, do not be afraid. And that's an echo of the same words from messengers of God, from God himself, to the people of Israel and Exodus, right? all through scripture. When the angel appears to the shepherds at Christ's birth, to the Magi, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
right? And we come to God with this fear and trembling. We don't erase it or hide it, but we come vulnerably in the fullness of it and say, help me, God, deliver me, save me. Amen? Amen. Uh, access to God, they were wrong. Mary and Mary were wrong. They were in the wrong place. It wasn't what Jesus, where Jesus was. But in their hearts, they wanted to be with Jesus. Um, do you remember when you were first in love? It didn't matter if you were cray-cray, if you looked stupid. It didn't matter how foolish you looked. You wanted to be with that person. And these women were the same. It didn't matter. The other disciples, a lot of the other disciples were nowhere to be found. Right? They were scattered, it said. After Jesus' death, they scattered. They were afraid. They were in hiding, perhaps. But these women exposed themselves. They were out there. They just, it didn't matter. They wanted to be where Jesus was. They wanted, it's like, my Lord, they're out there. They're claiming Christ. Um, so the angel says in verse 5 through 6, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And he says, in the NIV it says, he isn't here, he's risen. Right? He's been raised from the dead. He isn't here, it's the empty tomb. Right? We should go around with necklaces of empty tombs instead of crosses. I think that should be the Christian symbol. Right? You like my empty tomb cross? Woo! It's empty. Look, there's bandages in there where Jesus was laying, and there's even an imprint in the dust right there. Look at that. Empty tomb. Right? He wasn't, he isn't there. Why? And then uh, in John, I think it's John, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He isn't there. Right? And later in this passage, you see Jesus has already moved on ahead of you. He's going to meet you later down over there right he's moving life moves it goes forward and sometimes we're holding what sometimes we hold on to things that are dead right when we should be moving forward right and we're like you can't move forward if your hand is holding on right just like Jesus said no one who has his hand on the plow Right? When I call him, can have his hand on the plow and follow me at the same time. You got to let go. What are those things for us? Right? We just can't let go because we want, we like, for some reason, we like the stench of death. And like, death becomes me. Right? I want to put mummy clothes on me and feel death, death. And it's so hard to let go because we become comfortable with that. We become comfortable with who we are in that situation or the things that we've lost, right? the things that are gone. And life is moving on ahead. Jesus is not there. Jesus is not there. He's not there. He's risen and he's going before you. And we're sitting here, no, Wilson. It's like, here's reality over here. Here's life and relationships and love and Jesus Christ wanting to breathe new life into you and give you new life, and we're holding on to this over here. 
It's like a snake during molting season. I want my shriveled skin! Don't go! And over here is like, don't you want that oily, smooth snake skin so you can slither through the grass? And we're like, no, give me this, shrivel it up, right? We hold on to crap! What? I said crap on Easter. Um, <laughs> don't be afraid, he's not there. Come and see, and they say, come and see the place where they laid him. And in their words, you see kind of this pattern, this threefold pattern. Come and see, verse 7, come and see that he is alive. He's not there. Right? First says, do not be afraid. Come and see. Then go and tell. Do not be afraid. Come and see. Go and tell. And in verse 8, it says, with great fear and excitement. Woo! Right? I'm right. Fear is still there, right? They feel fear, and yet they feel excitement. That's living. That's what we're all striving for. How many of you like to snowboard or go mountain biking or thrill seekers? Or like to lay out for a disc, right? You feel fear and excitement. Or roller coasters, right? Riding the roller coaster. Why the heck do we ride roller coasters? Do we all ride roller coasters? It's like you feel nervous. You want to throw up. Your stomach cuts into your throat. Like, that's not a pleasant feeling. But afterwards, we're like, let's do it again. It's like so fun. Because there's a part of us that is built, right, to live life. To live the adventure. To feel everything. To be in love. To be passionate. To have our heart out there. To have our bodies, like, really thrown out there. Do you feel what I'm talking about? Do you remember when you were in love? It's not an old story. It is the story, the gospel message. It's a new story, and it can be new over and over every day for you. It's not an old story. It is the story, right? They feel Twitter-pated, right? They feel great fear and yet excitement. Right? Cammy, when she watches television shows, maybe too much, uh, she'll run when she gets, she'll know when a scary part's coming, and she'll run to me and hide behind me. And she'll go, no! But then like a second later, she'll start inching towards the, the TV again going back to it and wanting to watch it. There's something in her that's afraid of it, and then the, the other side of her is very curious, right? Afraid, curious, afraid, curious. What is that? Our heart thumps. We, f- we, both, we feel both fear yet an urge to participate. We get to be a part of the greatest story ever, people. And Mary and Mary get to deliver the best news ever. The message that... He isn't there. The tomb is empty. And then ultimately, we saw him die and he has risen. And we saw him with our own eyes. Woo! We saw him. Fear can either be death and paralysis for us, just like the guards, 
or it's the vulnerability that finally allows us to jump in and feel and live life again. And if you remember in Luke 24, 32, do you guys remember the walk to Emmaus? Like disciples are walking to Emmaus, a town outside of Jerusalem in Luke 24. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking next to them. But they don't recognize, their eyes aren't open to recognize Jesus. So they're walking alongside them and he's teaching, he's talking about the scripture and they're like intrigued. And then he's about to go and they say, no, Rabbi, eat with us. So he goes and eat with, with them. And all of a sudden, it says their eyes were open, and they recognized Jesus, the risen Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus. And he says, now I must go. So he goes. And after he left, they were, they were whispering amongst themselves, looking at each other. And what did they say? Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road? I knew it was him. Our hearts were on fire. Do you feel that? How, do you remember that when your hearts were on fire for Jesus? When the things of God just stirred in your heart, just, oh, come alive. We need that openness again. We need to be vulnerable again to that conviction, to that fire of life. So I have three things. Do not fear, come and see, go and tell. These are the life hacks to take away from this passage. The first is do not fear, right? Fear can be death and paralysis, or fear can be the impetus to courage and faith, right? Courage is not the absence of fear, right? Courage is you have fear, but what is the choice that you're going to make? And that's the same as faith. Perhaps you don't see what's going to happen, but you make the choice to move forward anyways. Do not fear. Come and see. Look. Come and see. Engage. Witness. Experience. Touch life. Touch people. Love people. Don't sit on your couch and play video games and watch Netflix like me. Engage. Get real with Jesus. Take your questions to Jesus. Take your pains to Jesus. Go to God and get messy. Wrestle with God. Say, God, what about this? Why have you forsaken me? Go into the tomb where Jesus has been dead to you and risk closure. Right? Maybe there are things in your life that are unclosed, that need to die. But we're afraid to go into that tomb because we are afraid that that tomb is going to, the rock is going to close and we're going to be stuck in there. And so we don't deal with it. We avoid, we sweep things under the rug. But God is saying, go, is inviting us to come and see, to go into the tomb where Jesus was laid and trust that he's not there anymore, right? That the tomb is empty and that the tombs in our lives that have clutter, and hurt and pain can be emptied as well but through the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So engage with that. Come and see. Risk the finality that indeed God is alive and that God is working, that God loves us. And discover that God is indeed not dead. But the tomb is empty and he's already going ahead of you, already working in your life. He's been working in your life. 
He's already paving the path, the cobblestone path to hope and new life. You need to take that step. Come and see. And then finally, go and tell. It, and before I say go and tell, uh, I want to reiterate that it's come and see, like, do not fear, come and see first, then go and tell, right? Because if we haven't come and seen, if we haven't seen and experienced the good news of Jesus Christ, how can we go and tell? Uh, this would just be a pep rally, right? This is not a pep rally, right? I'm not just here to fire us up. And then say, let's go love. Let's go out there and invite your friends and neighbors and love everybody and tell everybody Jesus is risen and he's saved. Um, because if that were the case, the first bump that comes along, the first time we get burned, we give up, right? Rah, rah, Jesus. It's like the retreat conversion. <laughs> I believe in Jesus. Woo! Right? And we were there because the pretty girls and the music, the rock band sounded okay. And we're like, everyone was raising their hands. And we're like, I'm going to raise my hand too. And give my life to Jesus. And then a week later, right? what? Depth. You need to experience life, the life-changing power of Jesus. You need to witness Jesus in your heart and life. Jesus breathed the life into you. The women see Jesus when they run into Jesus. What do they do? They see him, they grab his feet, and they worship. This is what it means to live, knowing that he lives, Christ lives. And when we meet him and touch him and receive of him, then we can go and tell. Because what we're telling is the message, the good news, that Jesus is alive and this is a good thing. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Go and tell. Um, so my questions for us is, you have seen Jesus. Uh, my questions are, where is Jesus to you? Is he laying in the tomb? Are you running ahead to see what's next? Or do you not know? And then secondly, what does it look like to come and see and take a step closer to Jesus? For some of us, we've seen Jesus. We've experienced Jesus. We're followers. We're believers for a long time. We've come to church. Um, but maybe you've known him for a long time, but this flame has been squelched. And the call to us is, did you not, do you not remember when your hearts burned within you? Don't be afraid. Come and see again. Um, and for those of us who maybe, ah, this Jesus thing, I don't know. Right? I don't know if it's true or I don't know if it's for me. Or it's been a long, long time. Or the church, I just can't deal with it. Um, the invitation is to come and see. Go to the tomb. Right? Go to the tomb and see that Jesus isn't there. But he's going about before you, inviting you, saying, I have life for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and for the cross and for the empty tomb and that you go before us, inviting us into new life. And I pray that we would have the courage in the midst of fear and hesitation and anxiety um, 
to step forward and come and see to, to come and see and touch touch you and worship you uh, and that your love and your mercy and compassion would overflow in our hearts uh, and compel us uh, to proclaim to just tell our testimony of how you've worked in us to go and tell. Um, I pray for each and every person here as, as we spend time with family, as we go out uh, in our pains, in our hurts, in our victories. I pray that you would give us the gift of joy um, in all circumstances that we are here to celebrate and experience the joy that is in you. Um, and this is a deep, deep joy. And so I pray for the gift of joy as we go out. In your name, amen.